Hi, this is Joel Scrivener, pastor of Oaks Church in McKinney, Texas. And I wanted to say thank you so much for listening, sharing, and supporting our podcast. I know that today's message is going to inspire you, challenge you, and empower you to fearlessly follow Jesus like never before. Now, let's check out today's message. When I heard, when I heard uh, Pastor Allen and Sharon's story, their wedding, their marriage story, it was one of the most inspirational stories I'd ever heard, one of the most beautiful stories, and I, and I, I wanted to bring them in specifically for this series uh, because of, A, the importance of marriage in God's eyes, the importance of marriage as far as in us, for our nation, and for the future of what God wants to do. And just in the lives of families, guys, marriages are so important. And so I wanted you to hear their story, and they've got some incredible wisdom. So this time, I'm going to invite, if you would please help me welcome Pastor Alan and Sharon Yaden to the stage. Thank you, sir. Good morning, church. We're so glad to be here. We're honored to be in front of you today. Thank yes. you so much for opening up your house to us. Awesome. I love this church. I love your pastors, Pastor Joel and Jennifer. They are the coolest people. We love them dearly. If I had a clap button, I'd push it right now. Absolutely. No, love them dearly. I think you have the coolest name for a church, Oaks Church. I think that is just so, so, so cool. And I was just standing there when you were talking about baptism in a hot tub. I, I might come and get rebaptized. I don't know. I'm... I'm Excited about that. It's great to be here yeah. in McKinney, Texas. We've heard a lot about this church. Uh, your pastor and Jennifer has been out to uh, Idaho the last, this last year a couple times. Pastor Joe so willingly opened his schedule up to come and do our youth camp and just killed it, rocked it. And then we had him back in the fall um, at our refuel. We call it refuel and just spoke an incredible word. Our church loves your pastors. We think they're rock stars, and uh, they brag about you guys. They brag about the team. We're excited for what God is doing right here in McKinney, Texas, in this church. Amen? Amen. You're setting in a miracle. God has is, is just done some incredible things, but I, I believe with all my heart when we're sitting there just worshiping, I just sensed in my spirit. It's like you're just on the launching pad, just lifting off for what God is going to do in this community. Amen. You believe that? Amen. Well, we're going to get right in today. Uh, my wife and I, my dear wife Sharon, we have three uh, beautiful children. Our oldest is 42. Yes, 42. 43. Okay. That's why I brought my wife along with me today to help us. 43, um, we have a son that is 35 and a younger daughter that's 30. Uh, 31, yes. <laughs> I'll get this right. We have seven grandchildren. Yes. Seven do. beautiful grandchildren. And uh, the cool thing about it. Um, they all live with us, right? Not with us in our home, but they all live that would right be there. okay, though, right? Right? <laughs> we did for a while when we first started the church, but uh, they're Im all involved in our ministry, and uh, it's just cool to see what God does, amen? We believe in family. We believe in marriage. Yeah. There's no question that in our culture today, in our world today, I believe 
if there's an area that the enemy has targeted and is raging a war on, that is the institution, I believe, of the marriage and of the home, of the family. But we're here to encourage you today. We're here to lift you up. When we want to just through our story, just share some things that um, I, I'm sure there's many stories in this room today that could be told. But let me just start off. We're going to title this By My Side. This lady has been by my side, life together for, for 37 years of marriage, 40 years that I've known her. Um, but let's get into it. I'm going to start off reading in Genesis chapter 2. 21 and 22. Genesis chapter 2, 21 and 22. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib, which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And I want to just start off just a couple thoughts here about this. God did not take her from my head so that I could rule over her. Or my feet so that I could stand over her. But from my side that I might protect her. And from my heart that I would love her. Now, how God brought Sharon into my life, God has an incredible sense of humor. I never even had the slightest awareness or even dreamed that it would happen this way. But when God is in it, it's right. So Sharon, why don't you just tell a little bit about your background and so I was born and raised on a farm. I had three older brothers. I wasn't, not on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so for me, being the fourth, and I'm the youngest, and I'm the only sister or daughter for my dad um, that we had, I made up mm -hmm. the fourth. So when it came to being on the farm, you had to have things to do. We played sports. We played bounce in, bounce out. But in every game that we played, mm -hmm. I had to be the fourth player. So I had to step up my game with my brothers. Yeah. And so I loved the farm. I loved being on the farm, mm -hmm. growing up on the farm. It was wonderful. My parents took me to this little country Methodist church, and that's where I learned about God. I didn't know God, but I learned about God. There's a difference and so for my mother, she was always there for me, mm. always there for us. She was Good. our biggest cheerleader. Um, at every game that my brothers might have played, she was there. She didn't skip a beat. If I cheered, she didn't skip a beat. She was always there for us. But on the other hand, my father, my father growing up, he was more away from home than he was at home because he held down three different jobs from farming to, um, to driving a semi-truck and trailer. That's what I knew. I got, to I got to ride in it with him. So, and then the other one, which was the one that I also adored when he had his suit on, was he was a deputy sheriff. 
And so in my teen years... You my, were a rebel. Well, in somewhat. In your teen years. Somewhat until my father instilled in us, this was the key. Yeah. He instilled in us in our teen years, wherever you're at, mm -hmm. I know where you're at. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, in other words, mm -hmm. don't get caught up with the law because I'm a deputy sheriff. And I'm like, I can do that. Now, my brothers, on the other hand, totally different story. So, um, so you I, grew up on the farm. You grew up in a Methodist church. Mm -hmm. You really didn't know God. Your teenage years, from I what I... God, your yeah. teenage years, I kind of heard through the grapevine, you were involved in some things. I mean, you were out there. You were doing your thing. I was out there. Yeah. But now, I my, didn't get caught. You know, I didn't get caught with the law. I was now a good my, girl. My background growing up, I grew up in church, grew up on the pew. My mom and dad were missionaries mm -hmm. um, in Latin America. My dad pastored all his, all his life. So that's, that was my upbringing. That's what I knew. We come from complete opposite backgrounds. One from a farm. I never lived on a farm. One fully, you know, as a young kid accepted Jesus and filled the Holy Spirit as a young age. She had no clue what any of that was. Then there was a time that my mother and father were getting ready to go back to Latin America. We had come home uh, to the States and I was 17 years old. I stayed in the States. They decided to go back to Latin America. I moved to Ohio. There was a position at a church there to become a youth pastor. So I was excitedly going to become the youth pastor of the church. I um, had just left a relationship. I was eight weeks from my wedding. The cake was ordered. The invitations were out. The tuxes were ordered. Uh, she had the ring on her finger, and uh, all along I knew in my heart it wasn't the right thing. Long story short, we, one Sunday night after church, I pulled in her driveway and basically I said, give me the ring. <laughs> we knew in our heart it wasn't right. The pressure was on because the invitations were out. Everything was in place. But I got a call from my grandfather at one o'clock in the morning one night, a couple nights earlier, and I knew that God was speaking through him into my heart that this isn't right. So we terminated that relationship. A couple weeks later, I jumped in the car. I moved to Ohio, yeah. and I was about five to six months before I came on staff, okay. so I needed to get a now job he there. he has to stop there because mm. I'm going to bring you back up to speed on yeah. my side on how... You go for it. How I met him, okay? Yeah. <laughs> We're right at the key point. Yeah. So for me, I graduated at 18. Mm -hmm. I was into sports, cheered. I graduated at 18, got married at 19, mm -hmm. and then um, to my so-called high school sweetheart, sweetheart that we were apart mm -hmm. more than we were together. But it was my high school sweetheart, okay? And so we got married at 19. Mm -hmm. I got pregnant four months into our marriage, but the month before my marriage, or before I got pregnant, was when I didn't realize the depth of alcohol, the depth of uh, drugs into his life, and I had, I had gotten abused that night, and from when we were going out to dinner, our, my girlfriends and I were, and he was going out with his buddies, we were married, we were just doing a, you know, a, a gathering, it was, 
And he walked in very, very messed up. And that was the, that's when the abuse, abuse started for me in my marriage. And so got pregnant four months, had Mindy at uh, 20 years of age, and yeah. then she was six months old, and he turns and leaves never to see us again. And so I have a child now at 21, six months old, and what do I do and where do I go? And I thank God for parents mm-hmm. that have that unconditional love for their children that even when mistakes happen, that they welcome you back in mm-hmm. with open arms. And that's what my mom and dad did for my beautiful little girl and I. And so mm-hmm. at that point, devastated, hurt, scarred, I'm working in a jewelry store and I decide I'm going to make a career of it. I've got to take care of this little girl of mine. It's her and I. So got my diamond cotology course, got my gemology course out of the road. I am ready for management. Mm -hmm. When the door opens, and the door opened, and this young, tall man walks into our jewelry shop, and at 22 years of age, what did you do? Well, I walked in. (laughs) So there was like four months before I was on staff at the church. So I decided I need to get a job. So I applied at this job at at this jewelry store that opened up. I don't have anything to do with jewelry. I didn't even know diamonds from rocks to stones or whatever. I walk in. She was in position to be manager. They gave me the job. So immediately, it set us on a course. And so the five months that I was there, I was determined... There was like six employees of the store that says, I'm going to lead them all, get them all the church in those six months before I leave. So I began to witness to them and talk to them. And on Monday mornings, we'd set out the jewelry, whatever. And one by one, they all started coming to the church except for this one. She was mad. She thought I was just some goody-goody, self-righteous Christian guy. And I remember, honestly, looking across the room one day. We were setting the jewelry out. And by then, four of the employees had been coming to church. We're setting out. She wouldn't join us. She was sitting across the desk. She was looking at us. And as we were talking, she kind of, I just, like, fire shot out of her eyes. She lifted up her finger. She flipped me off. She started saying some words to me. And literally, smoke came out of her mouth. Literally. She was smoking. (laughs) That's where it began for us. There was no mutual feeling at all for each of us. Finally, finally one of the young ladies, after several months, one of the other young ladies invited her to come to church, and Sharon came to church, and, and God got a hold of her life, just radically just changed her life, and I've never really seen anyone really just dive into the word and and the hunger and thirst that she had for Christ. There was still no feelings here at all, even though Jesus was in her heart at that time. We became friends at that point. We did. We We after a period of time we became friends and and. um, But you have to you have to understand. I was going for a career. I was going for all I knew to do. And at that point, I didn't, mm-hmm. have the, 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 I didn't have the Lord in my heart. So mm-hmm. I was doing what I knew to do. 
And he was doing what he knew to do. Yeah. But God had a purpose and a plan through this whole life of ours together. And it's been like so we dated, amazing. We were dating. Um, well, let me just move it up. So we, one day after church, yeah. I was the one to lock up the church, youth pastor. And when I locked it up and walked out, Sharon and some of the young ladies were standing there. And I don't know how it happened, but we ended up going to lunch together. I thought, wow, this is really different, you know, and so we went to lunch, and uh, from that point, we dated three, three years, and I could begin to feel about the third, toward the third year, I began to feel this pressure, not pressure, but I could just tell this conversation coming from her, am I going to get a ring, how long is this going to take, kind of thing, and, and, um, and I have a little girl that's growing right alongside me, and she's, a, she's, five, she's five years old by that time. So she knows him yeah. very well, and she wants to call him daddy. And I said, no, it's not time. So it's I'm, I'm time. working through all this because I knew I was getting a two-for-one deal here, you know, with my wife and, and, and Mindy. And I, I was just kind of struggling with it all. Can I handle this? Can I do this? Whatever. And one morning, I had sold my car to her because I came a youth pastor of a church. And you know how those salaries are. I went, sold my car to her, and I ended up driving this little blue rusted out Pinto that you could drive along and see the yellow lines in it, you know. And I'm the youth pastor, and all the other youth guys are pulling up in their cool cars, and I'm walking in smelling like exhaust, you know. So I'm this really cool youth pastor. And so we, we dated there those those three years, and so I sold her my car, so she would come and pick me up at my place, I would take her to work, and then I would drive to the church. One morning, she didn't show up, and I waited and waited, and by then, I'd left the store, and they'd put her in charge of some areas there, so one of the employees pulled up in the parking lot of our, of our, my, where I lived, and said, where's Sharon? I go, I don't know. She hasn't picked me up yet, so we jumped in the car and retraced back to her family's house, which is about 10 miles out in the country, and Sharon wasn't home. We came all the way back in town, stopped by my house again, make sure she hadn't stopped by. She hadn't. We went to the store, and the employees were still standing outside waiting to get in because she had the keys to open up the door. As soon as we pulled in and I saw the employees, I told the young man with me, said, take me to the emergency room. I had no clue, but there was something in my gut that said, let's go. We went to the emergency room, we pull in, and I ran upstairs, and her mother and father had just showed up at the hospital. Sharon had been driving to come to pick me up. She went a back way. She's going down the hill 60 miles an hour, and the road went into a one-lane little bridge, and there were these cement columns on both sides. And she was driving down, and she happened to be reading a letter of my mom, and she was tucking it between the seats. And as she did, the car veered over and hit that bridge 60 miles an hour, completely demolished from her nose down. Her face was, was, was totally, totally gone. She'd hit the steering wheel so hard it turned it inside out. I'm standing there in the hospital, and I'm begging the doctors, I gotta go see her. She's between life and death, and they say, you can't, you can't, and finally I just convinced them. They let me go in, I walk around a corner into this white, sterile room. It was cold, she's on a gurney, white tile floor, and there was a sheet over her that was just solid red, and the 
I don't want to get too graphic, but the blood was just dripping off of it, down onto the floor, running down into the drain. And something rose up inside of me at that moment, and there was a fight in my spirit. I left there within an hour. They transferred to the Ohio State University Hospital. She went into 18 hours of surgery there. 18 hours of surgery, and not sure. They, they told me afterwards that I would never have children. I would, I would never, you know. Um, Eternal injuries yeah, and things that I, she'd never have so her children. And so after the 18 hours, they let me come in the room. I went in the room the first, that next day, and of course she wasn't coherent. And her face was literally, it was huge. And they had all these wires and machines. Her chin was just, just, it was a mess. And so I went, when I went back in the next morning, she was kind of in and out, and she motioned me to come over to the, to the bed. And I did, and she couldn't talk. She, her mouths were all wired up. Her tongue, they had, her, she had ripped some mu muscles in her tongue, so they, they took her tongue and put it out and kind of taped it to the, with a string so she wouldn't choke to death. And I walk in, and I see this, at that point, it was just a mess of a face. And she kind of scribbled on a piece of paper, Alan, you don't have to. It's over. My face, my life, I don't want you to feel pressured or whatever. And instantly, at that moment, God confirmed you're to marry that woman. That was the moment. Instantly. And I, something inside me just rose up. I left there. I went to, back in the day, Hallmark was the place to go. And I bought all these posters and all these scriptures and verses. And I went and I just taped them all over her hospital wall. So that she could look at it. So that she could see it. Just to lift her spirits and her heart. And we went in for a fight. A week later, she walked out of the hospital. A week later, she walked out of that hospital. God did a, a miraculous healing in her body. And even on that time, Sharon, we won't get into detail, but she was teetering between life and death. There was one point of that time she said that she was up in the corner of the room looking down at her body. And, and just an incredible time. But God did a, did a miracle there that just... Changed, changed our life. So I went and bought the ring. <laughs> that was a good decision, good timing. I went and bought the ring, and she got out of the hospital. Her mouth was wired up for about eight weeks. She couldn't eat. All she could do is, like, drink milkshakes or soup or that kind of thing. So I decided we're going to go, and I'm going to give her the ring. So I went to this little place called Jeannie Ritzy. They do milkshakes. She likes chocolate chip mint milkshakes. So I pulled in there instead of driving through the drive-thru. And this is, this is like, you know, early, early spring. It's cold out. Yeah. And so instead of going through the drive-thru, I run into the, into the shop, buy the milkshake, go into the men's bathroom, take the ring, and, and push it down in the milkshake. Yeah. So we get in the car and we drive to this park and all along I have this friend of mine that's, you know, videoing this whole thing. And we pull into the park and I said, let's go over and sit by the pond there by the, on the benches. I don't want to sit out there. It's cold. 
And the more that I tried to convince her, you got to know my wife, she's just full of life. Man, she's just getting angry at me and mad at me, and she's getting more hot, hotter and hotter. And I said, let's go. So finally, she had drank probably maybe half of it by then. Finally, I convinced her. And so we get out and we walk down. As we're walking toward the pond on the left-hand side, she's on my left, we're passing a garbage can. And she takes the cup and just gets ready. And I grab the cup. And I go, no, I'll finish it. We continue to walk toward the, toward the pond. And she is mad. She just, what are we doing here? This, yeah. Right? Yeah, you, you were, gotta understand. You were hot. I you was wired shut. <laughs> and I was tired of you. She couldn't say a whole lot other than. And it was cold you know. out. It was so cold out. <laughs> it was so, you know, so we end up sitting down there. And so I drink it all the way down the bottom where all the chocolate had set. And that's her favorite, you know. So she's there playing with the cup and sipping the chocolate. And she's mad. I wanna go to the car. No, 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 let's stay there a little bit longer, you know, and all. And. Finally, she hit something, and she pulled it out and looked, and she began to weep and cry and ask yeah, forgiveness of all of her sins. I really did. I had to <laughs> repent. But it was I forgave her, and I went down to the pond. It I washed it off and put it on her finger. And six, six Opposites months. attract. Yes. Especially when God's in the center of yes. it Yes. Six months later, we got married. And um, honestly... I could not have ever written that out, but I could never dream to have such an incredible woman by my side. As a wife, as a ministry partner, through the highs and the lows of our, of our marriage, she has been a rock. And it was even with our family, because Sharon did not come from the background. My dad, my father even struggled with it. My father, was, they were in South America and he wasn't coming to our wedding. He just didn't know. And after my father passed, I got one of his little prayer books that he wrote and I began to read and in there was a page. He was back in the Ecuadorian jungles and it was two weeks before my wedding. And he goes, Here I am out trying to save the world, but I'm not going to my own son's wedding. And so God really spoke to him back in the jungles on this little cot. Needless to say, I, I did not know, but when they landed in the plane, he got off the plane and, and was at our wedding. We got married. Sharon and I moved to Seattle. We spent 20 uh, about 20 years, 20-some years there in Seattle in ministry. Uh, Champion Center, executive pastors with Pastor Kevin and Sheila. Just saw God do incredible things, grow a church. But during that time, there was a transition began to take place in our spirit and our heart. And um, we made a bold move and decided it was time to, to make a move. And so we went down the Palm Desert for a while on sabbatical. We ended up in Idaho never thinking we'd ever plan a church again. Um, but God put on our hearts. Actually, we came to Texas. There's a church in Texas that looking for a pastor. We went to Phoenix, another church. Something began to take place there in Idaho. And our kids were in, in Arizona, in Washington. 
And when we began to tell our kids that we're going to plant a church in Idaho, they said, no way. We're not going to Idaho. They had no concept. They thought it was just cowboys and Indians, you know, and potatoes, you know. But God just began to really change our hearts there. And we planted Centerpoint Church after two years of prior to, before we planted the church, we opened up this little store my wife did in the Boise Town Square Mall. And we did things we never dreamed we'd ever do. She had a little store full of women's, women's boutique and women's fashion and rings and jewelry. And here I'm putting little necklaces on these little white-haired ladies and telling them how cute they look and whatever. And I'm going, what am I doing, God? Yeah. It sustained us for two years. God knew what he was mm-hmm. doing. Mm-hmm. We didn't know. But God was in every step that we took. So we, we, um, we felt we were to start the church. And we felt like, God, if this, is, if this is your hand, that we're going to do it. And, God, you're going to provide. We're not going to seek out other ministries, the support or whatever. We are going to start it. This is your church. We're going to start at this. So we did. We got into it. And I, I think one of the areas that just really, and I don't say this to boast, but I, I, I want to let you know when by my side and life together, this is what really solidified it for me is we got to a point to where our church, we had maybe about 50 people at that point, 40 people, and we were just in a real tight financial place. We needed some equipment. Uh, we needed to eat. My wife was working at Starbucks at that point. I was doing the church full time. And I turned to her, and one night we were just praying, what do we do, God? And we just didn't get answers. And finally, I looked at her, and we began to talk. And, and the only option we had at that point is we took our wedding bands and drove to the pawn shop. That was probably one of the hardest things in my life to do with my wife. But it wasn't even a question for her. I mean, it came off her finger so fast. I was like, whoa, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, she was hungry. Let me me give you a scripture there that will help you. Um, It was a scripture that came up when we were together asking God what to do. And we know this scripture really well. All of us do. I'm sure you've all said it 50 million times, just like I have. And I've even stood on this scripture. But it says for, it's Jeremiah 29, 11. That was my scripture I stood on all through knowing the yeah. Lord and getting to know the Lord. But it says, for I know the plans I have for you to declare as the Lord's plans for your, wealth, your welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. But then he took me further, two more verses. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, mm-hmm. and I will hear you. You will seek me yes. and find me when you seek me with all. Mm. All. It didn't say yeah. some, it yeah. said with all, all your heart. And I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Yes. That was 
the key mm -hmm. to us submitting exactly what needed to happen that time and place in our life. And it was okay. hard, mm -hmm. but it was worth it all. And he's never failed us. He's never stopped. He's never mm -hmm. left us. He's been right beside us. All so when you talk about how your marriage goes on in life, I remember the day when Sharon walked down the aisle. Man, my knees were knocking. I thought, this is incredible. This beautiful woman. She just got her braces off a few weeks earlier. And she's still healing from her, from her accident. Um, I thought, this is, there's no way I could ever love her more than I do right at this moment. But it's in times like this in life that when you are together, you don't give up. You don't give in. You go through some some tough seasons of life that you learn and you grow and you learn to appreciate and you learn to love one another. You learn to really know what it means to lay your life down for one another. When your wife takes off her ring and says, hey, this is a bigger cause right now. It, it, it just did something to me for my level of, of appreciation for her and I know for each of us. Today, we've been in the church there 12 years, all of our families involved in the ministry there, serving, working. God has done miracle after miracle after miracle. And it's incredible to see what God has done. And I, I want to just say a couple things here before we wrap up. In fact, there's other things I want to go into, but for time's sake, we won't today. I, I just want to say a couple things. I want to give just a thought. G.K. Chesterton wrote this. He said, the true soldier fights because he hates what's, he, he, excuse me, he says this way, the true soldier fights not because he hates what's in front of him, but because he loves what's behind him. And when I thought about that, I've just thought about today and when it comes to marriages, I just pray to God that God puts a new fight not toward each other, but for each other, for the cause of marriage. I believe the root of where we are today, I said this earlier, is goes back to the foundation of the home, what God has called men to be, what God has called spouses, each of our spouses to be, men to be the spiritual leaders of the home, to lead that, to be that, that we are to fight. We need that same passion of a soldier in our marriages. We must fight because we love. We must fight for who we love. Make war on those things that could divide our union. Fight for those things that will protect and preserve our union of marriage. And I can just say this today, and you would all agree, all good marriages have challenges. Right. There's not a perfect marriage here. All good marriages have challenges. Sharon and I, we have great challenges. We're not perfect. We have incredible conversations at times. In fact, we just had one the other day. Sparks were flying. And we're still together. <laughs> that is all good, yeah. Agree um, to disagree sometimes mm -hmm. is worth it all, you know? Let me just say this, and the band can come. 
Make war on selfishness. This is, these are four points, and I'm not going to get into the de- details for time today, but make war on selfishness. These are things that Sharon and I have agreed on. Selfless. Make war on discontentment. If I just had a better marriage, if I had this, if I had that, you know. A lot of times we, we have that mindset, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is greener where you water it, where you take care of it, where you yeah. nourish it. That's, that's where it's greener. Exactly. Another one is make war on busyness. A lot of times we can get so busy in life. Spouses, we come and go, whatever. And we give our best of our times to so many other things and we get the leftovers here. That's not God's heart. That's not the way it's to be. Take that time. There was a season in my life that I lived that. Got busy full-time in ministry, blown and gone. We didn't take vacation that year. Conference after conference after conference after conference, and it came to a point in my life, literally, I hit the wall physically and mentally. I thought I was losing my mind, and for several months, I was, I was, I just, make war on business. Find those times. I think sometimes we evaluate busyness with value. We equate busyness with importance. We equate busyness with honor. And yet, being busy can be harmful in so many ways in a relationship. And the last one is, is make war on words. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Bible talks about there's power in life in our, in our mouth. Words that can tear down, sarcastic words, unsupportive words, disrespectful words, comparing words, selfish words. But you can speak life, words of life in your marriage. Respectful words, affirming words, caring words, encouraging words, appreciative words. I just prayed today. I don't know where you're at in your life. Maybe you're a single person here. Maybe you've gone through some hardship. Maybe you've gone through a divorce. Or maybe you're in your marriage right now and you're finding some difficulties. I can just say to you today that God's with you. And that you don't have to leave here the same way that you came in today. Sometimes we just got to be bold enough. Sharon and I, there's times that we just had to get bold enough to face it and be real about it in our life. I think a lot of times, even in ministry, we, we felt like we were positioned and on this pedestal and we had to live up to this image and all these things. And, and it became a wedge in our marriage, in our life. And we just couldn't be who God really necessarily called us to be until we began to chop away at that, peel away those layers and just become real and genuine. This is who God created us to be. This is who God has called me to be. Then is when we begin to see the fruits. Then we begin to see things happen, not only in our personal lives, but even in in our church and and the marriages within our church. Amen? I believe God has something unique and special for McKinney. I believe this is key, though. We can't ignore this area of our life. Amen? Yes, it's important that we assemble, we come together and worship, but there's something about the home There's something about you as a man and as a woman that God has called you to lead. There's no greater ministry than I have than right here. 
vice versa. Well, and when you say that, just remember, if you've got children, they're watching you. They love you. You're their mentor. You're their mother and father, but they're looking, for, they're looking to you for direction, for how, the how-tos. They're watching you. And what better, yeah. what better than to have God the center of your family, yeah. the center of your marriage, the center of your voice to yeah. each other? Yes. You've got to, you've got to communicate in your homes. Hallelujah. It's time that we stand up and communicate in our homes. Mm-hmm. You can do a lot of communicating outside the four walls, mm-hmm. but the key is inside your four walls. Mm-hmm. That makes a difference. Good. Good. Let's bow our heads today. Father, Lord, I just feel God's presence right here. God, I feel your presence. You're speaking to some men, some women, some couples, even some single people here today, God. Maybe somebody that's gone through a tough time. You're speaking to them right now, Father. I just pray, God, that we each would just surrender our hearts to you. Come, thy kingdom be done, thy will, Lord, in our marriages and our lives, Lord, as it is in heaven today, God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, right where you're at, seated today, I want to give this opportunity. The first and most important relationship, even beyond your marriage, is a relationship with Jesus Christ. If he is not center, I'm telling you today, he wants to be. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I want to give that opportunity right now for somebody here today, right where you're at, saying, Pastor, you know, I don't have that personal relationship with Jesus, but I want to invite him into my heart today. I want to know that when I leave here today, he lives within me. I have a relationship with him first and foremost. On the count of three, I want you to boldly lift your hand up. If that's you, just right where you're at, I want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand up in the room today saying, Pastor, I want that relationship with Jesus today. God, we love you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all stand to our feet today. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come right now. I believe God's doing something here. prayer team would come and get ready and I want to open up the front if you're here today maybe you just want to come down and hold your spouse's hand come into agreement maybe there's some areas that that maybe you've you've been struggling with or disagreement with or whatever and you need to come into agreement with maybe there's some things in your life that you've been struggling with in this area of your relationship and your marriage, and you just you just need to surrender to him today. I'm telling you today, God is the answer. He's here this morning. You don't have to leave carrying that baggage as you came in today. I don't know what it is. It may be even something small, but I want to encourage you today, come and deal with it as we worship today. Just make your way down front. Spend time with him. Maybe just your spouse just worshiping together with him today. Amen. Can we do that, church? 
Father, Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, as we begin to worship in the next few moments, Lord. God, if there's anyone in this house, oh Lord, any Mary, any single person, whoever it may be, God, that would be bold today to come down front and say, God, we need you. We need more of you, Lord, in our marriage, Father. We need the answers, God. God, maybe there's some decisions that we're, we're weighing in our hearts and our spirit. We need the answers today, Lord. We're coming down today to surrender to you, Father, Lord God. I thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. As we worship today, church, just make your way down today. Amen. We hope this message has blessed your life. And if it has, we want to invite you to sow into what God is doing here at Oaks Church. It's as simple as going to oakschurch.com and clicking the Give button. On behalf of Oaks Church, thanks again for listening and have a great week.